Welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. It's your girl, Jess Bergio. I created this show as a way to connect deeper with each of you, to remind you you are not alone, that you were made for the hard shit. As creatives, entrepreneurs, moms, CEOs, we are magic, and each of us has a unique gift and purpose to share. I hope you feel encouragement, support, connections, and real, raw, authentic moments as you tune in. Life is not meant to be perfect, so stop and remind yourself that you can find happiness in the day-to-day while building the life of your dreams. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and if you'd like to get weekly words of encouragement, text me the word FRIDAY to BD podcast. It's your girl, Jess Bergio, and I'm so excited today to talk about things that used to really actually scare the shit out of me. Uh, but then we're going to talk about some really fun, awesome things too, like, you know, entrepreneurship and women in business and just women overall stepping into their power, kicking ass and taking names. And that's what our guest today is showing me through what she's doing and what she's done. Stacey, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I know we connected through a friend of ours who I think put you in touch with me and and the beauty insiders membership. And then through that, she was in fast foundations, the mastermind, and you since joined this round and we're currently getting to hang out in two different places. Well, really three social media. Um, so I'm, I'm so proud of what you're doing and all that you have done. And we were just chit chatting before we hit record about story and sharing your story and making your story part of your business. But why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, and then we'll get to the part where how we met and how you, you know, fell into this entrepreneurship um, space that you're currently in with us, um, because I know you've been an entrepreneur for quite a while now. Yeah. So my name is Stacy Millard. I am a CPA. I focus on profit strategy and business mentorship. I'm a mom of two. I'm also the owner of Love Powered Co. We do affirmation cards and mindfulness for women and children. So very multifaceted. And I just love business. My mind goes there. It's a puzzle to me. I love it. It's something I love doing every single day. So it probably never gets old. And that's the thing. No. I think I think the love and the curiosity for business is something that's really needed foundationally in entrepreneurship that I've noticed because now being involved in fast foundations the last several rounds, I think people get excited about entrepreneurship or the idea of doing something on their own terms. But I think unless you have a true passion and love for like figuring things out and really sticking through the mess and making sense of it all, like you just called it a puzzle. That's such a perfect way to put it. Because if you think about entrepreneurship as anything other than a puzzle, you're going to be really uh, let down because it is a giant puzzle. Every single day you're missing several pieces or it's like an Ikea box full of stuff. Something's missing and you have to figure out how to make do without that missing piece, right? Yeah. So interestingly, I spent 15 years because I'm a CPA. I spent 15 years in that world and I worked with a lot, thousands of small businesses in that time period. And there was that one piece of just like that curiosity and figuring it out. That was that one piece that I just loved so much because those people were the ones who thrived in business. I remember seeing part of your story, Jess, at one point where you said like, I finally looked at the numbers 
it was like that curiosity bloomed in you. You're like, I finally started looking at the numbers and everything changed when you almost like remove yourself from the business and like you're in it, you have to be in it. But then when you take that time to be outside of it and look at it like it's a puzzle to figure out, everything changes. It gets so much easier. And it's crazy because in in the beauty industry, for sure, it's such a person-to-person business that a lot of times emotions get involved with numbers. And that can be emotionally with yourself. You learn how your you know relationship is with money tied to your conditioned growing up, you know, what you heard growing up and, and what was kind of around you and the experience you had with money in your life is often how we treat money in our life, whether we're making it um, through an industry like beauty, which sometimes can be very sporadic and not very uh, dependable, if you will. So a lot of people don't know how to manage their money in our industry. And the second that I was able to step in and hire somebody like an accountant, a CPA, someone to really take control of that, it took the emotional part out of can I, should I, you know, save this much, put that much away? Like, how do I pay myself? Doesn't it all just go to me? Like the numbers part of it was for some reason scary because I, I'd never done it. No one ever talked me through that part of it. You know, you go to beauty school, you learn how to do hair barely, and then you get put into this, you know, usually you're an employee, so you're getting a paycheck and that's pretty, you know, pretty solid. And then somewhere along the lines, you step into either commission or a booth rental type of situation where you're now responsible for either your taxes or how much you're making or keeping. And what do you do with the money that you make? Um, and it wasn't till a couple of tax seasons that I had to come up with large chunks of money that I, re- I recognized I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the numbers. I wasn't looking at the things I needed to be looking at, which therefore didn't make me a very smart business owner. Um, and it was in that, that my girlfriend, she's a, she does what you do. She was like, listen, it's really simple. You take this percentage out and you don't touch it. It's not yours. You put it over here and it's done. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem very stressful. And then a few years later, you know, as you're growing in your business, looking at the numbers, you're like, okay, well, I want to make more money. There's no more hours left in the week. How do I make more money? Well, you raise your prices. Well, how do you determine your worth or your hourly rate? You know, and it was Chris several years later, that's like you reverse engineer. What's the end goal number you want to make? Then you figure out how many hours you want to work each week. And it's a simple math equation. And I was like, well, that feels so much less dramatic than telling my aunt that I have to raise her prices by X amount of dollars and she's going to be upset with me. It's like in any other business, you don't deal with that. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, not just people in the beauty industry, deal with raising their prices or quote unquote, I hate the term charging your worth because it's like who gets to determine what your worth is. It's the set number you decide you want to make for the year. Um, and once those little math equations started, you're right. Data is data. It's not, there's nothing personal about it. It just is what it is. And it took so much pressure off of me and a lot of people I know in my industry to be able to figure out, I want to live in this kind of house, drive this kind of car, send my kids to this kind of school. This is how much I need to make. This is the career I have. This is what I got to charge. And it like changed everything. Oh, I think that's so great. I think there's like two pieces to it, though. So one, you talked about being a hairdresser and really great at hair. And I think we forget that when you're in an industry, no matter what it is, and you get good at that trade, that when you move to entrepreneurship, you actually have a new skill to learn, whether it's learning about your taxes and getting some knowledge from a professional or learning it yourself. But there's more skills to be learned. And then I also love how you talk about like doing the math, right? When, you, when you're looking at how many hours do you want to work and you go back to the customer. So how do I still de- deliver an amazing service or an amazing product and make the money that I want to make? And then that's when you can start taking steps to get to where you want to go. But there's skills that you have to learn along the way. 
and they're probably not what you were learned in your trade right not, maybe they're marketing maybe not even close <laughs> yeah i mean and Never. think about it like i started in the industry 20 plus years ago so marketing and and all of the things are are have evolved so much and they're so different than what they ever were um and you know at one point in this industry like you looked at this as like kind of you could side hustle in this business in full cash and not have to like claim a lot of stuff and just being transparent that's what we do on this podcast cuz it's my show. So people expect me to keep it real, you know, and there was so many like times where, you know, things weren't quote unquote accounted for. And you kind of just, you know, you made this, you spent this and you sometimes it, like the things would just flow. Nobody ever taught you, you know, that. So unless you had that, like I said, growing up and, and you learned how to really manage your money. Um, a lot of people were left in the same boat as me. They were making in six figures, but not, they were spending more than they were making because they weren't paying attention to what was coming in versus out. And there's a couple of great mentors in my space now that teach really about like price per minute almost. And then price per like product of what you're using. So I know for salon owners and I know for a lot of like independent, independent stylists, they, they're having to pay for all the things in their space. So it's, it's not just the marketing. It's not just the overhead. It's now all the products in the space. Um, and it's that guest experience. Like it's, it's so much more than that. And I wish, I wish not only was there education for us personally, the people in the industry, but also ways that we could share that with other people who get the services done. And I think it's not so much for us to explain and, and educate them on it, but as a whole, if you walk into a space and you see someone's studio or you see their salon, you have to know, like, they're the ones paying for all of these things. So to come in and get a $40 haircut these days, clearly, if you did the quick math, like it wouldn't cover, it wouldn't even cover the lights for the month. You know what I mean? So I think it's empowered a lot of people in the industry to really take the emotion out of it and focus on what is the end goal number that I need to make in order to make this all make sense. Uh, and COVID, I think, or that time during our closure gave people a lot of perspective of, is what I'm doing an equal exchange of energy as far as what I'm making and bringing home? Um, so I saw a lot of shift in the entrepreneur space of people going from doing the services to teaching, creating courses, or being able to work from home. But that layers even more um, entrepreneurial like type of things that they probably weren't taught. So through your journey, how did you, you know, go from being the numbers queen, right? You had your accounting business for 15 mm -hmm. plus years. Where where did you? decide that it was time to either pivot and switch or did you just learn your entrepreneurship journey along the way in that business did you have some mistakes that you could you know that you're like this is what i'll never do again these are the things that serve me i'm no different than your beauty girls i was like you know what i'm an accountant i've done this for a decade like i can go into business myself and i got it all covered and i did not have it all covered i learned the hard way um, through so many lessons, but I scaled the business from my basement to seven figures and sold it about a year ago. Um, so I think I did it successfully with, you know, all those pain points. And about a year before selling, we, I was very passionate about entrepreneurship. I was doing um, like women's business events and bringing people together and really helping them through that journey. But the one thing that I was really, I felt like I was falling short on is I'd be able to help people with strategy they would walk away from my office with more than accounting. They would get a strategy, but then I couldn't help them follow it through. And that's one of the things that I think is so important is like having a strategy and that high level picture of what you're doing, where you're talking about like, Chris, um, we do the same thing, provide really an idea of what, how much you want to make, how many hours you want to work and just a grasp of like that big picture. But we're human beings. And when we start implementing it, there's all of the things that come up family, there's money, there's something doesn't go right at work. So I was really falling short on being able to help people through that. Because a strategy without it being implemented is not worth the paper it's printed on. 
So say that, that again was... to the people in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's why, that's why you probably seen this happen to people too, that step into entrepreneurship. They join courses or programs and they get all the strategy in the world. They get this quote unquote blueprint Bible of how to do business and it doesn't work because why the accountability piece. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that there's a lot out there that misses the strategy. It's like, just do what feels good. And six months later, it's like you wake up and you're like, I've been doing what it feels good. And it's not really having an impact. Like, okay, what's what, what are we really going to do here? And it's missing the strategy. And then there's a lot of strategy that you write down a document and you're never going to use it again. And so really, you need both. You have to have to have to implement what you put into place. And you know, if you're taking a course, one of the biggest things I tell people is don't stack course on top of course, put some time in between, learn something, implement it, really get to embody what you've learned. You know, like you, you girls are amazing at hair. Like I, I'm sure that the very first time you did some bleach, it did not work out great. You got good at it over time. Same thing with any other course that you're taking. And we forget to take that time. We forget that we're going to have to, you know, kind of stumble through learning it. So Totally. I think that's really important. And and that's the, I think that's the problem that plagues most people is they want the quick hit of like the win of, I tried this one time. It's why isn't it working? Um, and it, unfortunately, like we're all human who doesn't want like a immediate gratification on, on their efforts. But a lot of times it's trial and error. And the same thing that worked for someone else, even in your industry might not work for you because of the authenticity piece, or maybe you're just putting out something slightly different, but you're right. When we started in the industry, most of us barely knew how to hold our scissors. Some people didn't even know how to do color. Um, and, and we forget that. And I think going back to those foundations of like building, learning something, then implementing it, learning something, then implementing it. And when things start to kind of fall off, I always have to look at like what was working before and go back and see, it's like a rinse and repeat. Once you can get like your business foundations down, um, sticking to the things that work, paying attention to that data. There's so many creatives in our industry that like to try new things and they're, you know, shiny object syndrome of like, oh, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. And I think, you know, that getting real specific on what problem you solve. So if it's like, I'm a blonding expert, or if I do extensions only for with people with healthy hair, you know, that's your niche. You can always expand upon that. But I think what I see a lot of times people try to encompass everything when they're speaking about business and they never really nail one thing down. And it's not just you're confusing your audience maybe, but you're also confusing yourself because you don't know what works because you've not stuck with something long enough to figure out if it works or not, or to put a system in place. And I don't know about, you know, in the other entrepreneurship world, but in the beauty industry, like systematizing autom autom like autom automizations of things like that didn't really, those words were like foreign languages to us. I don't, I was like, how do I systematize something that I physically have to do? Like, how do I automate things that are part of what, like if, if I didn't do it, it, it wouldn't be part of my business. But now with booking systems, payment processing systems that all keep track of our, of our data. It's right there. Like I use square to check out my clients and, and gloss genius for booking stuff. And it's like, everything's right there. The reports like are showing me what I'm making an hour price per minute, like all the things are there and I can pull those reports and send them right to my tax lady. It's awesome. Yeah. But it all starts with that level of curiosity that we talked about to start with, right? Like what can I do? And asking the questions. Yeah. That level of like ownership for it can be easier and the curiosity. The other thing um, that I wanted to say was that like when you're looking, whether it's a new booking system or a strategy or a, learning a new course or a new skill, 
one of the things that I think makes a huge difference is also like not tapping yourself out. So a lot of the time we go into something, whether it's financially or energetically, when we put all of our our money on the table for that one thing right? We're like, this is going to work and it has to work. And that level of desperation when it comes to either the money or the energy that you're putting into it almost creates a level of, I don't want to say doom, but like it's harder for that to succeed right from the start because we're so reliant on like, this is going to work. We don't, we're not looking at like, how do we adapt this to ourselves? Like, what can I take? What can I decide isn't for me? There's no curiosity to it. It's just desperation. So when we're learning something new or investing is like, how can you do it in a way that you still have something to come back to? Um, There's a really great example in poker. And like, you don't, even the people who know how to count cards when they're playing blackjack, like they don't put it all on the table. You have a little bit left so that if it doesn't work out, that level of like, hey, it's trial and error, then we have something to go back to, whether it's like you're not burnt out energetically, or you have money to invest in something else. And you can take what worked and leave behind what didn't. I think that's crucial. I I couldn't agree more. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, that can take somebody out. If you put it all on the table and it's, it's something didn't work out in your favor. I mean, I'm relating it to like opening a salon or creating something or hiring somebody to help you in your business. I mean, there's a small percentage of it not working out, right? You want to bet on yourself at the same time. You want to you want to make sure that all your ducks are in order and that if for any reason you quote unquote fail um, or things don't go as planned, like you kind of have a backup plan to, to get you through or to help you figure the next step out. Um, so talk to me, like there's a ghost in my office. Yeah. Um, t- talk to me about your new business that you've acquired recently, because I love what it means to you and your family. And you gifted me. It's I put it, where did I put it? I have it. There it is. My affirmation cards. I want to hear all about this new business. Yeah. So first of all, I love business. So it's intriguing to just add another business onto my skill set and my little portfolio. And really for me, this is about, um, I had some mental health issues within my family and my oldest daughter has ADHD and she was only five and she was really struggling emotionally with the challenges that came from that. And she told me at five that she just didn't want to be a part of this world anymore. And something that's been in the back of my mind, she's been treated, she's good. Um, But it's always been like, how do we build emotional resilience in children? Because um, for my generation, that wasn't really a thing that we were taught. Um, I think psychology maybe was even like really only studied heavily starting in the 80s. So it wasn't a thing we were taught. And we're kind of learning as adults. But can you imagine if it was just like your default as a child, like this is what you're taught. And then you grow up to be just that much more resilient mental health is such a pandemic and i've used these cards like they're phenomenal for helping treat or not treat but like helping change the way that kids think and then also as moms like we often run our families i don't want to doubt dads dads have a dads have their role but um as moms we're like sort of that emotional stability for our families often and so we have to show up well as well So when I saw this company go up for sale, I was like, this is it. This pairs with it well. I get to enjoy looking at the strategy. How do I bring this to more people? And it's a product that I know and love. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you you use the word treat, use the word like, for me, it's like a support system. We all need tools to support ourselves in life and individually, like one added 
you know, positive piece into your day. It's, it's so funny the shift it could make. And it's uh, my boyfriend, he wasn't super woo when we met, he wasn't like a card puller or like, you know, he wasn't checking. He didn't know any of like his sign. He didn't know any of those things. And so now at his house, we pull rocks. He's got these little affirmation rocks. And then someone from his office got him a little book where it's got like a little quote or saying for the day. So he'll send me a picture of that every day. And it's just like this reminder that you're here for a reason and that you can do hard things and that, you know, um, it's just like the, the love that these cards have there for one, they're gorgeous. And I do have videos sometimes on my podcast, so I don't know if I'll even get to see this. So if you guys haven't had a chance, you have to check out, um, love powered because literally they're like the most beautiful, gorgeous cards. And I think it's so awesome when you can come into alignment with like a company and a brand that resonates so hard with you. And it's like, you already had a story that resonated so deeply that it was just such an alignment for you to, to move into this space and, and purchase this company. So talk to people, like say they're, say they're interested in acquiring a business. You've not only sold one, but you've now purchased one that was already kind of up and running. Talk me through like the thought process behind that and like kind of the strategy of how you could see yourself a stepping away from the business that you built and why it was time to sell. And then two, the opportunity to purchase the new and what kind of like the process you went through for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. So (laughs) for selling the business, um, for me, it was really a decision on like my clients have always been so important. A lot of them became friends and I saw it in a way like I was acting out of alignment with my business because I really wanted to be helping people on the journey, coaching them through it, helping them see that success. And when you're tied to signing off financial statements, doesn't really work that way. So selling the business for me was actually about providing like better service to customers, freeing up my time. Um, At one point I'd asked myself like, okay, if I was going to recreate this business, like, could I just tear it all apart? And I was like, well, that's silly. Like I'd literally destroy something so big that I built. Why don't I pass it on to somebody else if I'm going to be starting from zero anyways? Right. So that was a decision to sell. Um, I think people should be looking at the if you're if you own a business, you should be always thinking about like, what does it look like to sell? Even if you don't have that within your mindset at all, that that's a possibility. If there was something to happen to you, your family has to take over the business that another person coming in is no different than selling. So how do you set your business up in a way that it's profitable, that it's manageable, that it's replicable, right? Like all of the things of a really good business. So I work and coach people through that. I think that's necessary. Um, And then for purchasing the business, it was really about, number one, it was for sale. And then finding what worked for both of us. So talking through the same things that were important to me when selling, like, who, who is still in the business? What, you know, what, obviously the numbers, like what kind of money does it bring in? Um, who does it serve? How do we know that like this brand holds value? How do we know the business is, has something there that's going to last? Um, all those things on like, how, how do you stand out from the rest? And in a way that's not a charity, I guess. Got it. Okay. So that's bringing up some like relatable things to the industry because when I sold my salon back in 2019 um, or 2020, I guess it was, there were a lot of things that went into it, but at the end of the day, because it wasn't really like say an accounting type business or weren't like those residual type clients, um, it was looked at more of like an asset sale and the value of Mm -hmm. the business. And so I know there's lots of different ways to evaluate a business and go through the process of like, what's something worth. Um, 
but I know there's a lot of people in the industry that maybe like the, in the foreseeable future, the sale of their salon would be their retirement plan or part of it, or they'd want to know their exit strategy before they started the salon. Because if you're going to invest X amount in building something out and creating everything that goes with it, what does the end goal look like? And I think that often doesn't get talked about in this industry. Like, when am I stopping? When am I retiring? For mixed reasons, right? Maybe you didn't set yourself up yet. Maybe there isn't like a hard stop on when you think you'll be done. Um, but if things happen and you get the opportunity to sell like I did, putting a number to something, obviously there was the cost of like what it took to build it, but the rest was kind of just like, you know, a wing and a prayer and what that other person saw of the value of the space as well. So um, it's so interesting. Do you have any like suggestions for people who maybe are in the industry because you know numbers so well, if they were thinking about building something out um, like a salon, what would that look like in terms of how can I build something to then scale to possibly then sell? Yeah. So from a number standpoint, there's always ways that we value businesses in terms of like profit. How much profit do you bring in? But one of the biggest things that I would say is is relevant to your industry is like how reliant on you is your business? Because that is a very quick way to like degrade the value that a business has as soon as you leave all those clients leave. So that would be one area that I would be paying so much attention to. Like, how do I get these people to be a business or clients of the salon? If you have a salon versus clients of me, right? How do you create that atmosphere when, you know, if Jess isn't free, then they see somebody else so that the business holds the value instead of you as a, a person or an individual, that would be the most crucial thing, I think, in your industry that people should be looking at. And also, what is the longevity, right? So like if one, if you have a stylist and you have everybody just renting chairs, there's not a lot of brand equity or brand awareness, right? Everybody's kind of fluid. They kind of come and they leave. You really want to create something that has a name to it beyond yourself and beyond any individual who's within the business. So that would be the number one thing that you should really be looking at. And then number two is profitability. Because it doesn't matter how amazing of a name you have. Everybody in town can know who you are. But if the business doesn't make money, a potential new owner can't get financing to buy the business because the business isn't profitable. And that instantly just like reduces the pool of who would ever be able to purchase your business. Like people can't pay for something that they doesn't generate money. Can't show value on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we are just coming into the age in our industry where that idea of a salon having quote unquote ownership of the clientele that comes in and out of the door is open. More people are so independent in this industry that like what, what the clientele that I have is mine. So even if I were to go open a salon, you know, and then pass those clients on to say other people, then they become theirs. So it's, it's always been such a tricky kind of taboo subject to talk about on, on any platform really. And, and that's why I love this podcast because literally I always try to pull back the curtain. Like if you are thinking about doing something, like what is your actual goal for that? And then work your way back to it. Is that really what you should or want to be doing? Because I've had so many independent stylists that work for other salons come to me and say, Hey, I think it's time for me to open my own salon. And I'm like, great. If you have that like drive in you and you feel like you want to be responsible for other people, manage this, do that, like have all of that weight, like let's go. I can help you get there. But when we get down to the meat and potatoes of like why they're leaving, it's never enough of this, what we're talking about now 
rooted in that like creativity piece, putting the puzzle together, like constantly showing up in the consistency, the accountability, they're like, maybe this actually isn't what I should be doing. Um, because if you leave something just because you think you can kind of do it a little bit better, you got to have a way deeper reason for doing it than that. Um, but this if we talk where, about, go ahead. I was going to say like, this is where the strategy comes in because it's what's important. You can create a salon and there are people who are out there who really just want to come to work. They want to have an amazing atmosphere, but they don't really want to be responsible. So if you say, I want to grow a salon and I want it to be a brand, I want the salon to be a thing, have a life of its own, a culture and people come to work here, but that like the, the salon owns the clientele, then you can create that. Or if you say, I want to build a salon and I just want people renting chairs. You're less responsible as the owner. People rent chairs from you. That's cool. But then let's talk about owning the building so that when you do retire, then you've got the residual income from the building. Or if you're the type of person who's building your own personal brand and all the clients are yours, you're renting a chair, there's still possibilities there. It's how do you ensure that you can pass clients on to somebody else? Maybe it's not as worth as much, but it can still be worth something because a new hairdresser who's coming into it is probably going to want income faster. Maybe they would pay for, for a list of clients. If you coach them on the clientele saying like, I want you to meet this person. They're amazing at what they do. I'm going to pass you over. More of them will stay with that hairdresser that you've introduced them to because you've built credibility with your clientele, right? Yeah. So there's possibilities for everything, but it's the strategy behind it. You need to think it out and not get to the end and just be like, okay, I'm done. How am I going to get rid of this? <laughs> right? Totally. And it's so intention. many people just walk away from things that they've built. And, and and for myself, especially like when the thought of stepping fully into my other business, like it was this overwhelming, even once I sold the salon, my, my clients, the way that it was kind of acquired, the girl who bought it wasn't a hairdresser. So I didn't have like a person to just pass the clients on to with. She really just was yeah. an asset sale more or less at that point, along with the website and the Instagram that was built up and the, and the accolades that were on, um, uh, Where's, what's the website you look up when you always Yelp? Oh, Google. Goodness okay. gracious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there were, there were some, some foundational things that would showcase the business to being, you know, established already. And so that was a value to them. Obviously the build out and all that, it was like a turnkey space. Um, but I think I could have gotten a larger, larger lump sum for this, for, for it, had I been able to somehow pass the clients and leave them in the space um, with me, you know, saying, hey, you have my word. This place is amazing. These people will take care of you. My clients would have for sure stayed. Um, but you, you see that happen and it's like you build something after 20 years, like quote unquote, your clientele. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so many of my people have been with me 15, 16, 17 years. And it's like sometimes so hard to walk away from that and move into something new because of that. You know, there's different things that come up that scarcity. Like, can I start and do something else at this scale? Um, but what I always remind myself is like, there's no overnight success. What I built in 20 years, like if I gave myself another 20 years for fucking sure, I could build something else, you know, in that same scale. But often, like we were talking about earlier, we want that quick. Like if it's not going to be like a lateral move, we don't want it. And so when you sold your business, obviously you had some runway to stand on to create your new business, but what kind of goals or expectations did you put on yourself to kind of like figure out some things and step into this new space of like entrepreneurship, doing something kind of completely different, but still kind of similar to what you were talking about before? Yeah, I got a little bit of a serving of humbleness. <laughs> Going to be yeah, honest, we just talk straight up here, right? Yeah. Um, so I've been working with entrepreneurs for 
over a decade and I know them. I know my stuff. I love it. I know everybody sees the value in what I do. But when I exited my business, I had a non-solicitation, non-compete. So I did not anticipate losing my entire network and what it would take to rebuild it. I forgot that it took me a decade to get there. And so that has been so much fun. Like the incredible people that I've met has been amazing and also a challenge. Like it didn't go as fast. I would, I, in fact, I would love for people to just understand that Instagram is a world that shows you that everything has to happen lightning fast. If you didn't hit, you know, $500,000 of sales in your first year, you're failing. I built a million dollar business and sold it. And I still didn't have like that five million dollars in sales in the first year like it doesn't happen that way and if it did you're not hearing the whole story yeah you're definitely not hearing the whole story no that's so true and like you're even just giving me life back into how i've been feeling lately around growing this new business because you know you see people's like after you don't know what overnight success was was it seven years was it 10 years was it 10 prior years of failing and then they hit the overnight success button and you know i was just at an event at keisha fitzgerald's event well keisha get mary um the empower her event and she had some epic speakers up there and chris harder was talking about imposter syndrome and just how even at, at his level and where he's at he still experiences that because keisha was asking the question for the women in the room around around imposter syndrome and like having a dream on their heart and like wanting to try something new and just kind of being afraid because how do they how do they get into the mix of all of this because everything's already been done and she's already doing it better and so and so is already more successful than you at that said business and um the awesome speaker Trent Shelton was sitting next to me. And I don't know if you guys know Trent Shelton. He's got rehab time. He's got over 2 million followers on social media. The, the dude's a legend. He had spoke the day before and he was sitting like two feet from me. And I was just like, I wonder if he still deals with imposter syndrome. So, you know me, I can't be quiet. I leaned over, I tapped his shoulder and I was like, Hey, after everything you've gone through and done the NFL, all the speaking gigs, all the stages, all the people you rub noses with, I'm well, do you still, do you still deal with imposter syndrome a little bit? And he was like, he like did that. Of course I do. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no level that you're going to get to that you're going to be like, ah, we're here. Or like, it's enough. There's always that next version of you that you're trying to to get to. Um, and that's who I speak to on this show, right? Because I often feel like if I say that, sometimes I'm like, well, you should just be happy with the six-figure business you created. You should just be happy. Stacey, you should have just been good with what you had done and just like sat in that little comfort bubble and never tried anything new. And I think I speak to a lot of people listening to this show where we're not those type of people. Like you might be able to float through that for a couple of weeks, months, years, even in your life. But then you get to this season where there's like this little voice in you that like was kind of yelling at you. And now she's like fucking screaming at you to like, I want to come out and play. And you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to talk to. Um, and that's why, you know, having this platform to be able to share stories of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> little humble pie was served. Cause I feel that. So like, I feel like I've been eating humble pie for about three years in the last couple of um, seasons and people ask me questions about business and they're like, so what's going on in your business? I'm like, same thing, just taking those small steps every day and <laughs> being consistent. But you know, when you go from someone knowing you as something, and then you're like stepping into a new space, it is a little bit of an interesting dance. Yeah, I think the most important thing is most business is exponential, right? So it happens either like faster for some unicorn companies and a little bit slower for most most people. But it's like you serve one person and then that one person tells two people and those people tell two people. And all of a sudden, like seven years in, it's like all these people 
but at the start it's like it feels that one at a time so if you remember your first years in hairdressing it probably wasn't as fast and then at the end it, it was just like everybody knew who Jess was and it was the same thing for me in accounting it was a little bit slower to start with and then all of a sudden everybody knows you and then you step out of that room and you go into another room and especially once you've left that position and went into something new it's like your body remembers what it used to be like so now that you're in that new room it is you kind of almost have to like reset your nervous system remind yourself often that it's exponential we're going to get there and it is just the mental work it's a mental game of sticking it through long enough to get to where you want to go absolutely and Trent like it's a new room with new people maybe one day it was you know a room of 20 I've heard his story seen him speak and a different day it's you know an NFL stadium full of people but it's always a new room that's why the imposter syndrome like shows up often it doesn't matter what stage you're at so if you can know that and recognize it and be able to say to yourself like oh I see you I recognize you I'm going to give you some tenderness and then we're also going to move through it yeah so good so what are some non-negotiables or rituals that you use in your life to support growing your business being a mom juggling all the things yeah. So non-negotiable for me, I do not mix work and mom. I am Ooh. not good as at doing both. I am not a multitasker. If I am working, I have to be in it working to do a really good job. And if I'm with my kids, I don't do, like, I may take a video, but it's posted later usually because I don't show up well. That's me. I think everybody should do what works for them because other Perfect. people are better at it. But I think you should be honest with yourself. And I also have legitimate work hours. It's a test to me of like, how can I do this in less hours? Because for time, like everything will take as long as you, as long as you give it. Mm -hmm. And in business, often there's like the to-do list is a mile long. And we think if we just do this one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, but we get so carried away in that hustle. So I have very defined hours of like, this is when I work and it keeps me on track and honest. And I cut out all the crap that I really don't need to be doing. So those are two things and really taking care of myself. So exercise, drink your water, take your vitamins, you know, the, the usual wellness stuff. And you said something earlier about um, like our emotions. And it reminded me of this quote that was about how we have this like hygiene practice. We shower every day, you know, like we do our hair, but we don't, we have to do that with our emotions too. So that's where the cards for me or journaling like, what is it that you do on a daily basis that cleans out your energy? Ooh. Yeah, so. Tweet, tweet. I'm, I'm just channeling <laughs> Oprah right there. Okay, what? Oh, that's so good. And literally, I listened to one of Trent's episodes this morning. Shout out to Trent. I hope he's on the podcast soon. He gave me a yes. He said, I, I, I sent him a little DM after he was sitting next to me. I'm like, I was the girl sitting next to you. Um, would you want to be on my podcast? He was like, yeah, no problem. Here, hit up, da, da, da. I was like, all you got to do is get in the room and ask people. That's like, I'm proof of that. Like I've asked my way into every situation I'm in. So, um, and let, let it be known that the imposter syndrome is always fucking real when it comes to like asking, um, cleansing your energy was something he was talking about, like the five foundational things that you need to do. And one of them was like your environment. And he was just saying things like one of the examples was he has a home gym and he's like, that's great. Like I have this whole ass gym that I can work out. No problems should be quote unquote, no excuses. He's like, but sometimes your energy is the shift in the energy around you is what like can propel you or drop you down. And so I haven't shared a story yet, but I am now working back in a big salon that I used to work at about six, seven years ago because I couldn't figure out. I thought 
I had to let go of the behind the chair business in order to like move on and scale the next bit, like phase of my business up with the coaching and the membership. But what I realized was like, I miss people like, and that's why I stay a part of fast foundations, the mastermind, which you're in now. And you get the energy now because you've experienced it in persons are like, un unlike anything else. Um, and it's one thing to listen to us in your ears. And that's the first step. If you can't get into the rooms, like at least get your mentors into your ears every morning, telling you that you can do the hard things. But the, the second thing was, you know, being able to like change your energy and your state. And so I love just your version of like, if you can't do any of those things, like pull a card, remind yourself, like cleanse the energy for the day. Um, so I'm going to pull a card for us today. Um, and they say on, on one side, it says, what's your power, which I love this one. Shocking. That's exactly what we need to hear today. Confidence is my power. I am confident. I am powerful. I am fearless. I see every challenge as an opportunity to expand and grow. I am confident. Think of a time when you were brimming with confidence. How did you feel? Okay, so imagine pulling that card in the morning and no matter what had happened the day before, even if you were taken out, confidence was bad. Maybe you didn't do a great job on your client. Maybe you had somebody cancel. Maybe you had someone, you know, say they didn't want to work with you anymore and whatever version of entrepreneurship you're in. And then you stop for a moment and you, and you dialed it back to a time where you did feel confident and you, and you let that energy come into your body and remind yourself of your greatness and start your day like that. Like that's why cards and, and affirmations and positive propaganda are so important to have in your life. So thank you for stepping into this business. And I think you're the perfect person to get it out to more people in this world. And I hope we can put a link in the show notes for you guys to grab a box of these because they are gorgeous and they're going to make an amazing, I would, I got it as a gift from her. I was like, literally my jaw dropped open. I was like, what, what is this? Because there's, they're an oversized box of affirmation cards. So normally I would say they're about half the size double the size of a normal one. Um, so they're going to make a great gift and you can probably surprise your girlfriends or family with one of these for the holidays. So plug, plug for this. Um, they're called the love powered co cards, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, Stacey, I love chatting with you and I get to see you in a couple of weeks, uh, in mm -hmm. Arizona for the next in-person for fast foundations. Let's chat a little bit about that for a second before we let people go, because I talk about fast foundations all the time. Um, most of them know I'm the co-host for that podcast called fast foundations, the podcast. Um, and we'll have you on that as soon as you get through this first round for yourself. But what has changing your energy state and putting yourself in a room full of other early stage entrepreneurs kind of felt like and done for you? Yeah. So I talked to you a little bit about like that humble pie. And for me, my energy when I'm serving is so much different. And it's being able to be in a room of other people who are going through something similar, but my skill set is a little different. So I'm also able to offer them something. Yeah. It's just it. That's maybe my cleansing, right? I know I'm going to feel better when I'm in that room. I get to serve people. I get to meet other people who when I'm not feeling great or really there to cheer you on and, and give you a lift up. And you should, if a mastermind isn't your fit, like just like your beauty membership is the, I don't, every single hairdresser should be in that group or beauty industry expert. There's so much value. It doesn't have to be um, high level, high ticket, you know, our industry does in coaching does such a great job of telling everybody it has to be super expensive. It does not. And at a minimum, like Fast Foundations has the podcast. You can get some information there, make it your start. And then when you can afford something bigger, then get in those rooms, right? Like that's the steps, the stairway to success. Yeah. So Fast Foundations on the stairway for me. And I, it's been amazing. The level of speakers at that event was next level. So I know 
I know it's great. And it's what, you know, that's what inspired me to think like, could, could I possibly ever step into a space like that? And, you know, starting over after 20 years of being in the industry, I was like, in my forties as a mom, I'm like, do I want to start over? Is this like, and that's where you just kind of chip away and see what, what feels good. And that serving part, I totally relate to that. And I know there's so many people listening who, you know, want to try and do something new, whether it's create a course or teach a skill set that they have, or talk about things that they love. And, you know, that's really why I started the membership was to kind of like help people expand that creativity piece of stepping into their personal brand and starting there first, because you don't always have to know what it is you want to create or do. And a lot of people come into Fast Foundations with several ideas. They don't maybe even have a online business that's ready to scale yet, but they just want to get around people having these conversations who are helping them dream bigger. And so the the insiders membership was kind of created for that at such a low, 25 bucks a month. I was like, let me make it two coffees, um, a tank of gas in San Diego. And so that people can just get in the rooms and community and have conversations around how do I start talking about myself more on social media? How do I stand out as a personal brand? How do I start to share my story to make people relate to me? So I'm bringing in the right people for when I do start or launch a business, Uh, or maybe I'll meet my next business bestie in here or something like that. Just getting that um, gates open to see what is possible is always what like I'm trying to do on the podcast and in that membership. So thanks for the shout out for that. If you guys are interested in the membership, we're constantly um, bringing in new members. You can check that out in the link in the show notes too. And Stacey, you can grab her um, cards in there as well and learn more about her. Where do you hang out? You like Instagram. I see you on there showing, showing up a lot lately. I love it. Yeah. Instagrams. Instagrams where I'm at. Stacey.Millard. Yeah. Got it. Oh, awesome. Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. You guys, if you love this episode of the podcast, it would mean the world if you shared it with somebody um, or tagged us on social media with any of your aha takeaway moments. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to more people. So until next time, be you unapologetically. Thank you.